Welcome to the Taurus Community Church Podcast. We believe as a community, God wants us to learn to be with Him, to be like Him, and to do the things of Christ. If you want to find out more about today's topic or want to connect with us further, head to www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au. Enjoy today's episode. Alrighty, my name is Mary. For those of you who don't know me, I've been part of this community at Tail Race since the dawning of time, since I was about 19. But I did have about 10 years where I lived in Sydney. And um, yeah, so I've sort of, but in that whole time when I would come back, I would often visit. Tim and Shaz are great friends of mine. As I always like to say, I did babysit all of the O'Neill kids and also the Jetsons. So it's probably me who is responsible for how great they turned out. Just saying, just saying. (laughs) Um, But anyway, on Friday I was at work and I got a text message saying, hey, how would you feel about preaching on Sunday doing or just sharing your heart on Sunday because the plague is hit and I mean, I won't go into all the boring details, but basically, Jono, Erica and Camilla are taking a week off uh, in quarantine. (laughs) For no reason apart from that some of the family have COVID and they're stuck in Queensland. So here I am. I'm sorry that it's the Mary show and I also worship led, but also you are welcome. Um, so Sharon actually just asked me to share. We're starting a series today called Doing Justice. Um, I think it's starting today. And, um, and Sharon just said, hey, I had an idea that maybe you could share about your work in the disability sector and your heart for... Um, that community and so I said okay so today is a bit of a collection of a few stories a few thoughts and um, I would say even have a special guest so amazing Um, but please keep in mind I don't think I'm the expert Um, and so you know if I say something that you don't necessarily agree with I'm so open to having a conversation about it or you could just have heaps of grace and pop it away somewhere and pretend I never said it there's always that option too Okay, so seven years ago, I was living in Sydney. I'd been working for 10 years, about 10 years um, for a church. I was working in ministry. Um, I was overseeing teams and I was really very burnt out. And um, I had loved my job. I'd worked with worship, I'd worked with young adults and also with events and the community and all things I'm passionate about. Um, But I also, at that time, I accidentally, on a trip to Tasmania, fell in love with a massive hottie, Richard be his name, and um, he was an old friend of mine. We'd known each other for 20 years, and we caught up for coffee, and then something beautiful, magical happened, and um, yes, the Lord placed love blinders over his eyes, and um, we became a couple. So I went back to Sydney, and I made the decision to move back down to Tasmania. It was the best decision for me at the time because Richard, as I've established, is an amazing, wonderful person, but also because I was so burnt out in my job at the time. And um, I wasn't very clear in myself where my identity was with my job and everything because I was running so hard in my ministry role. So I came back here. I cried for about two years. I remember always saying to Richard, oh, you've got me at my worst. And apparently that was still pretty good, so that's good. Um, But Tim and Shaz gave me a job here at the tail race in hospitality. I worked in the kitchen. I didn't actually have any experience in that, but, you know, I I love to eat and I love to cook, so that was fine. Then they offered me a job working in um, as the manager out the front of the cafe. Those of you who were working in the cafe at that time, I just want to apologise now um, because... 
I said yes to the job because I was like, I like people. This is going to be easy. It wasn't easy. And I remember um, during that season just thinking, am I ever going to find a job that I feel as passionate about or love as much or that fits my skill sets as much as when I was working in ministry? But I felt like I didn't want to work in ministry again at that point. And so, yeah, I was pretty sad about where things were at, but um, I was giving it a red hot go as cafe manager and I lasted in that role for a good five minutes. Um, it was Mother's Day uh, five years ago that, that actually really did me in. So it's probably almost my five-year anniversary of realising that I just shouldn't be in this role. And I just remember we had back-to-back -back buffets that day. And I had a lot of management experience, but no hospitality management experience. And um, I cared about the people, but I couldn't care less how many drinks were stocked in the fridge or all that detailed stuff. And so, oh, look at this kind man. Are you bringing me water? Good bless Rod Jessen. Thank you. It's even warm for my vocal pipes. What a goodie. You can tell he's married to a vocalist and has a, has a family full of musicians. Anyway, um, so I said to Shaz after, like, I was so stressed on Mother's Day as the manager that I had no saliva in my mouth. Like, that's how stressed I was. And also, there's a big stain in the cafe on the carpet that happened on that day. I didn't even know it happened, but apparently a kid poured caramel all over the floor. And I was so busy and stressed that I didn't even see that happen. So, yeah, that's how I just wasn't suited to the job. Liz is laughing, but it was no laughing matter at the time. Anyway, so I said to Shaz on the Monday, hey, you know what? I don't think I'm really suited to this role. And I was, oh, five years ago, I was approaching 40. And I was like, you know, I just feel like there are some things I am good at and this isn't one of them. And I feel too old to get good at something that I don't feel heaps passionate about. I'm not naturally good at. And I'm not saying that if you are that age that you can't learn something new. I'm just saying I just didn't want to. <laughs> and I said to Sharon, but you know what? I sometimes see support workers coming into the cafe with um, clients that they're supporting, people with disabilities and having a coffee with them and chatting. And I feel like I would be really good at that because I love coffee and people. And Shaz said, well, it just so happens that we have somebody who's part of the Tower Race community, Helen be her name. She's here somewhere. She's probably hiding uh, right there. There she is. Um, who's actually the business manager of um, NOS and they run the activity centre down in the back car park down there and she would be perfect to talk to. So I was like, awesome. So Sharon arranged an interview, an interview, no, it was just a, a meeting really just after church one day, introduced us and Helen said, well, if you've got no experience in this industry, maybe you want to come down and check it out. Come down, to pop down to the red shed, see if you like it and, but we could definitely utilise your prior experience and skills in terms of like the running events and programs and all of that kind of thing. Um, but just see if it fits you first. So I was like, cool, no worries. And then I was like, oh, apart from having a few people that I knew who had disabilities that I'd interacted with for years, I actually didn't have any experience. And I actually felt around people who are different from me, I actually felt quite awkward and inadequate. And it was more about not wanting to say or do the wrong thing, or maybe people would think that I was trying too hard or not trying enough and all of that kind of thing. And I know that that had actually made me previously kind of just avoid 
interactions. So I thought, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm just going to have to put on my big girl pants and um, actually rock up and just and just accept that if even if people do think I'm awkward and inadequate, well, that's going to be all right. And it was just amazing because I just instantly, within about a day or two, just fell in love with the disability community. And I cannot believe, looking back on my life before that, how I didn't have that vibrancy and colour and the, the humour and the beauty and the acceptance that's part of that community. And nobody, I mean, they might have thought I was inadequate and awkward, but nobody said anything, so I'm assuming I was fine. Um, but they all, like, it, I can't generalise because... Obviously, when I'm talking about disabilities, there's a huge, big spectrum. And the company that I work for, we support people who live independently. You know, they might be married and have children and drive cars and all of that kind of thing. It might be something like a hearing impairment. And then we also support people who are not able to do anything for themselves and they require support to do everything, um, you know, from personal care to meal management and all of that kind of stuff. And there's a massive, big spectrum in the middle. And there are lots of people who have a disability that you might not even know they have one because they're choosing not to share that information with you. So please keep in mind when I'm talking today, I can't generalise or say or speak for a whole group of people. I'm just sharing with you some little experiences and some wisdom I hope that I've picked up along the way. But I can tell you that there is a huge level of acceptance because people who are living with a disability know what it's like to not be accepted. And on the whole, a lot of the beautiful people that I get to interact with on a daily basis um, do have a huge heart, um, which is awesome. And there are lots of very hilarious personalities, uh, just like there are in the wider community. Um, but I can't tell all my stories because confidentiality. Um, but I wish I could. Um, but what I want to just say is what I found after working, after beginning work in the disability community is that I began to see people everywhere. I began to see people with disabilities everywhere I went and I thought, were they always here before? How did I not see them before? And it made me realise that there is something in us that we do where we just dismiss those who aren't the same as us. We just don't see it. Um, and I think that's really incredibly heartbreaking because you guys are missing out. <laughs> Those of you who don't see others who are different from you, we, we miss out. We miss out on the beauty and the huge, wonderful, big melting pot that is our world. And I really honestly believe that we actually are meant to have a lot of differences and diversity. And yeah, so... Um, I also, you know, when we talk about Jesus being our rabbi and this is wanting to be like him, Jesus saw people. He saw the vulnerable. He saw people who were different. He saw people who were marginalised and who were rejected and who weren't just the same as everybody else. And that's who he often gave his attention to. Um, and I think that's incredible. So let's keep that in our minds. Um, yeah, so I guess what I found out was... Well, and I guess what I already knew was that people are people and once you get to know individuals, you don't really see the differences. You just, you just that person is just that person to you. And um, yeah, so that's cool. Are we all good? Yeah, cool. So a couple of things before I really get into it. 
actually, I've already said that one about, oh, I was going to tell you a story about seeing people. So I was in Cairns last June and I was sitting in the car. My sister lives in Cairns and she had gone to pick up some lunch and I was just waiting in the car and I saw a gentleman sitting on the road uh, on the pavement and he had a helmet on his head, um, which I recognise as one that we often see in the disability community, usually for people who might accidentally harm themselves um, during a seizure or if they um, you know, might fall over or something like that. And so I recognised him as somebody who probably had a disability. Also, he was sort of playing in the rocks and there was a man standing a little way away from him, sort of chatting to him, but really encouraging him to come on, let's go. Oh, is it that the time? Don't we need a coffee? Or... And this guy was doing a great job of communicating. There were people walking past who were sort of like... Oh, what's this about? Um, some people just walked past and didn't acknowledge them at all. And I was sitting there and I was like, I feel like there's an urgency in this situation. I'm not sure what it is, but I'm going to be a weirdo and get out of the car and talk to them. So I got out of the car and I was like, hi, um, how are you going? Is everything okay? And the guy was like, oh, yeah, this is... Um, and he introduced me to the guy and I was like, hey, how are you going? And um, the guy was actually nonverbal, so he sort of acknowledged me, but he went back to his rocks. And the support worker was like, oh, every single week we go to the same cafe and we have breakfast and everything and this doesn't normally happen, but today he's just feeling like he wants to just take it slower and he's, and he's here and it's fine except that I'm busting for the toilet. And he's like doing these ones and I'm like, oh, that's, well, you, obviously you can't just make somebody who's decided to sit down, you've just got to come. And, um, and also this guy, you know, that's his choice um, to do that right now and you can encourage as much as you can but you can't actually and you shouldn't. Um, drag somebody away. So I said, look, I work in the disability sector. I'm a team leader. Um, and I have my working with vulnerable people's card. And this probably violates all policies. And for any support workers who work for NOS who are here today, don't do this. Um, just call a team leader. But I said, if you can get to the loo really quickly, I'm happy to stay with this gentleman. And he was like, oh, thank you so much. And he ran. And he was back so quick. So I'll never know if he actually made it. Um, but anyway, he was... Yeah, but for me, I just thought, you know, it was good to be able to step into that gap because I remember as a support worker being out on support and having these moments at different times where it was like, <gasps> what am I going to do in this situation? Um, but my point is that... <laughs> Um, prior to my experience in this community, maybe I wouldn't have seen him or maybe I would have been fearful or thought that's a bit weird um, or why would a grown man sit on the floor like that and I might have had some judgments about it but it was just somebody doing what they normally do on their normal day and um, somebody should have gone to the loo before they left. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, my second thing that I want to share with you guys is as I'm talking today, I want you to get it deeply embedded into your hearts that the word disability is not offensive, it's not an insult, it's just a descriptor. It just describes 
that somebody has different needs from you. And um, I think that over the years, um, we've been so scared and trying to be politically correct that things have swung back the wrong way. And I'm seeing a lot of people on social media who live with a disability saying, there's actually nothing wrong with saying I have a disability. It is part of my makeup and it does help me to describe what I need and help to get the funding I need and all of that kind of thing. It's actually people's mindsets thinking that it's an insult or thinking that it makes you less than that actually is the problem. So we don't have to say things like differently abled um, or challenged or any of those things because it's just condescending in my opinion. Um, and again, I'm not somebody who lives with a disability and also some people, pardon? Yep, here we go, Trisha agrees, yeah. Um, yes, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, so um, there are some people who aren't comfortable with that word who do live with a disability and that's their choice to um, communicate to you how they want to be addressed, just like with anybody. But just keep that in mind, um, that it's just a describing word. Alrighty, cool. Okay, so during my first session at NOS, here's another story for you. I was sitting there in my training session. So we used to do these training sessions like once or twice a year on a Saturday. And I'd been a support worker for a few months and I had just been watching and trying to learn as much as I could. And keep in mind, I had zero experience um, in this sector, but a lot of experience working alongside people. And I remember sitting in the training session and, and it was on something really practical, which is probably great and probably really needed. But I began to formulate in my mind what I would train these people on if given the opportunity. The arrogance, right? <laughs> Been in the sector for five minutes and I was already going, well, I would train on this. And it wasn't a, it wasn't, um, a criticism of what we were learning because there was so much I needed to learn. But mostly it was me working out what is my core value and belief for support? What is the most important thing that a support worker needs to know when they go out, with some, uh, go out on support with somebody who's vulnerable? And for me, the most important thing before anything else is that a support worker, and I guess also that people in general, recognise the intrinsic worth of a human life. That prior to being able to do anything at all for someone, before you're able to do anything useful in the world, that each one of us are built, purpose-built already with worth, value, um, that we are worthy of love, that we are worthy of compassion, of respect, of dignity, of equality, that we are seen by the eyes of Creator God and that we matter, no matter what we can contribute. And that is the intrinsic worth of a human life. And I think if you don't have that deeply embedded in your heart, then you should definitely not work in a care industry because that is the that is at the crux of it. When somebody's having a big behaviour and, and doing something that might be embarrassing in public or um, when somebody is sitting on the ground and you want to go because you're busting for the loo, that's when that value needs to kick in where you value um, and where value and ugh, love and compassion and respect, dignity all comes in. Do you agree? Yeah. So I really believe that if we do have that deep belief embedded in us, that it would matter to us that there are people in the community who are treated as less than. Because having a disability does not mean that you are less than. It may mean that you cannot 
have a full-time job, but it may mean that you can have a full-time job. It may mean that you need, um, you know, obviously extra support or whatever, but it doesn't mean that you are less than in the eyes of the Creator God. And, and it shouldn't mean that you are less than in the eyes of your fellow people, fellow humans. Are we ready for some Bible? I feel like we should have some Bible. I'll give it up for Ethan. I have, yeah, look, look at that. This is from one of my favourite Psalms. It says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. There's a footnote in my Bible that says, how it, it also could say, how precious are your thoughts concerning me, O God. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now, I just love that. If you get a chance today... Even if, it's, if you've got small children, lock yourself in the toilet with your Bible. Just, I understand some of you can't even go to the toilet alone, but, you know, if you can, read the whole psalm. It will nourish your soul if you let it just seep in. It's so beautiful because it's written by David in the Bible. And he was an imperfect human who made a lot of mistakes, but he was also described as a man after God's own heart, which means that he understood God's heart for humanity. He knew how God felt about us. He knew how God felt about him. He knew that before he was able to contribute a single breath to the planet, that God saw him, that he purposed him, that he had a life for him. And I say, do we know that about us? Can you believe that for yourself? Can you believe that for your neighbour? Can you believe it for people who are different from you? Can you believe it for criminals? People who don't look like you? People who have wronged you? This is the Father heart of God to us, the Creator heart of God to us, that before you were able to contribute a single useful thing, He saw you, He loved you, He created you with a purpose. Can I get an amen? All right. Yes. It was a hundred, some, oh, sorry, it's plopped off the end there. Psalm 139, and that was verses 13 to 18. But I suggest you read the whole thing and then go back and read it in the message version and then go back and sing Reckless Love again and you should be right. <laughs> the funny thing is in our society, there's this word called woke. I don't know, some of the young people are saying it. When you're woke, that means you're just really up with all the social justice issues. Esther just gave me a wry smile. She's like, Mary, don't try. Don't try and be young and cool. Um, I'll just be cool instead. I just won't be young and cool. Anyway, um, there's this word woke, and it's just so... But it just means, you know, we do live in a society where it's very... We're trying very hard to be politically correct, not offend people and all of that kind of thing. And there is definitely value in trying to be as sensitive to the issues as possible. Hate the word work, though most people hate it, but, you know. 
But that woke thing means that nobody's actually going to put their hand up and go, oh, yeah, I actually do think I'm better than other people. I actually do think that someone who's different from me or someone with a disability or whatever is less than me. No one's going to say that. But we have subconscious beliefs and values that live within us that flow out of the heart into our actions, don't we? We do, even if we can't admit it to ourselves, even if we don't know it's there. And that's part of today is just getting you guys to really look at where you spend your money, where you spend your time, who's in your friend circle. How do you respond when you see someone who's different to you and all of those kind of things. So that's where we're going today. We're trying to get a little bit woke. No, not really. But yeah, we're searching our hearts. Alrighty, cool. Just quickly, let's have a look at the time. Um, when I say just quickly, everybody knows it's, it's not going to be quick. Um, I, think I, I think I've established that we love the disability community, haven't I? And that people with differences are wonderful, valuable. And I just will give you a little story of one of my clients. Um, her name will not be shared, but let's call her D. She is somebody who's in a wheelchair. She actually can't do any of any physical things for herself. She's non-verbal. Um, and she is so beautiful. And I, I, I really want to get this across to you without it sounding like I'm being condescending, like, oh, isn't she lovely? Because she is a joy bringer. And I don't know how to properly adequately describe it but when she comes in to the workplace people just flock to her support workers clients everybody just wants a little bit of her attention she has the ability to just light up a room with her smile and it sounds so cheesy and corny to say but I am literally telling God's truth on this one um, strike me down no don't strike me down um, but yeah it, and to me, she is a beautiful example of the intrinsic worth of human life, that she can't make me a coffee or listen to me talk about, um, you know, like she can't, she can't give me a response when I'm chatting to her or anything like that. But she has a way of bringing joy to a room. She has a purpose in her life. Her life has meaning and she's definitely meant to be here on planet Earth with us. So, you know... I love her. And she's one of the most loved people I know. People just want to be around her. She has a sparkly soul. Anyway, so ScoMo, let's talk politics, shall we? <laughs> Not really. I'm the worst person to talk about politics because I get most of my news from Facebook. Um, and I tend to just scroll on, scroll on. Um, but look... I did read a little thing about how he had a bit of a gaffe this week in the media about concerning disability stuff. And I don't want to go into whether he was right or wrong or anything. But what I do think he was trying to communicate when he said that he was blessed that he hadn't, his children hadn't been born with disabilities. I don't actually think he was saying that a person with a disability cannot be a blessing or cannot have a blessed life. But I think what he was actually trying to do was acknowledge that people who live with disabilities in our community face obstacles, suffering, hardship, prejudice. They face things that the wider community may never have to face. And I think that's what he was trying to say is that this community of people really do it tough sometimes. And so, of course, I wouldn't, you know, wish that on my child. I don't think he was actually. But anyway, who cares what he was trying to do because this is not about him. But that just leads me into um, 
it, it leads me into my next point, which is that people who live in the disability community face more abuse than than a lot of other people. So vulnerable people do. There's a horrible, horrible statistic. It's something like 90% of intellectually disabled women are going to experience abuse. 90%. I could be wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure I heard it from the book of Sharon. Um, so I could be wrong. She might um, hop online and correct me if that's not true. But we do know that there is a, a lot of abuse that happens across our aged care and disability sectors and thankfully we're trying to rectify that. But, but people who are vulnerable, children especially as well, are, going, are, you know, are often preyed upon by people who want to do the wrong thing. There are issues like access. I worked for a while in a building which was on the fourth floor. We provided a really unusual and creative way of doing um, coursework like uh, graphic design and all of that kind of thing. There was a guy who was a brilliant illustrator um, who wanted to do the course. He had the qualifications, he had the skills to be able to get into the course, but he could not climb four flights of stairs, so he just missed out access. There was no option for him to do it online. He needed to be in the classes. There was no option. There was no lift in the building. They weren't going to be able to ramp it. So he just missed out. Um, health is a big thing. Um, often for people who are born with different conditions, um, there's a lot of doctor's visits. There's a lot of time spent in hospital. There's a lot of time chasing after funding for certain things so that you can see a specialist. It's really difficult on families. It's really difficult on people who have to go all through all of that kind of thing. That is one of the barriers. That is something that causes suffering in this community. But... <laughs> I think that one of the biggest things that causes suffering in this community are people who go about their everyday lives thinking that this community is less than. People who have preconceived ideas, prejudices, people who are thoughtless and, and just don't see how they are contributing to the problem. And so when Sharon said, can you just talk about how we can love people with disabilities better, that's where I go to. Let's not be someone who adds to the suffering and to the barriers. Alrighty, are we good? Good. Alrighty. <laughs> I've got five hot tips. And in that five hot tips, I do have a special guest. So that's pretty cool. Hey. Alrighty. Am I going for time? All right, cool. Number one hot tip, thank you, Ethan. Yes, look how colourful that is. Speak up. If you see something that is not right, speak up. If you have a voice and you see something happening to someone who does not have a voice, who's not able to speak for themselves, speak up. There was an incident several years ago when I was a support worker where I saw um, three things happen in one week with one support worker and who I really liked, um, but I couldn't sit back and um, not say anything. I found myself driving to my manager's office. Um, I went, walked in, burst into tears and said, can I tell you something off the record? Because I keep seeing this, but I'm only new and I don't really know. Like, is it just me? Am I just extra? And yes, is also the answer to that. I am extra. But um, after I had shared these three things that I had witnessed with three different clients over the week, my manager said, oh, Mary, I'm so sorry, but this can't be off the record. The next day, I had a call from my CEO who said, we've had to report this to the commission. And so I found it really difficult to be at work for a little while because um, there were lots of rumours and lots of different convoluted 
um, stories about what had actually happened. The worker who was involved was um, very loved and everything, decided to find employment elsewhere rather than go through the process of doing um, what needed to happen. But that was really, really difficult to speak up. But I thought, if not me, then who? And that's what I say to you. If not you, then who? Who's going to speak up? And there's a verse to back me up because there it is. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs 31, 8 to 9. Just proof that I'm not making this up. Awesome. Number two, be yourself. Turn up, be real. Don't have to put on a special persona when you're talking to somebody who's different from you. It's like... When you're talking to an Irish person, you don't have to talk in an Irish accent, which is really very good that you don't because I... Sorry, that wasn't planned and I regret it. Um, just be yourself. You will get it wrong sometimes. One of the things that I always say to new support workers is when you're communicating with a, with a new client or someone you're meeting for the first time, just talk to them like you would anybody else and then if you need to adjust your way of communicating, then adjust it after they've responded to you so that you're not going <gasps> like that, you know, but which I have seen. And I have a very devastating story to tell. It's not a devastating story. It's just this is my shame and I'm going to share it with you because you will get it wrong sometimes. And there was this time at the Red Shed. I was running around doing things. There were people... Um, they're in an official capacity from other organisations. Um, they were meeting together with somebody who was going through something with court and everything like that, so quite important stuff. And I was running around doing programs and stuff like that. My CEO happened to be on site and um, she said to me, oh, Mary, have you met, let's call him Bob. Have you met Bob? And I was like, no. And I was in program mode and I had just probably been doing some sort of you know, hit the beat or something like that. And so I went over to Bob, who was in a wheelchair. He had a shirt and tie with it, like a really well done up tie and like a, a nice little blazer type thing. And I went, hi, Bob. Wow, you're really dressed up today. I think you're putting us all to shame. And as I'm talking to him, I'm realising... I'm talking to you like, oh, and I said, are you going to be coming to some of our programs or something like that? But I didn't quite say it exactly like that. But it was basically, oh, we're going to see more of you around here. Um, kind of th trying to be welcoming. And I realise as I'm saying it, oh, oh, this is Bob from the commission. <laughs> this guy is much smarter than me. <laughs> and he's being very gracious right now because he is not showing on his face that I'm talking to him like I'm an idiot for a start. And I just thought, what am I doing? So I managed to, because I have the gift of the gab, I'm not sure if you've noticed. I just managed to circle it right around. So it sounded by the end of it that I was like, oh, so, you know, how's things going on in there, blah, blah, blah. And I saw my boss, my CEO going, <sighs> and afterwards I was like, that was really bad, wasn't it? And she was like, it's all right. But I thought it's not all right because it probably wasn't the only one to have done that to him that week. But it really taught me a very valuable lesson and I don't think I've done it again since. That, yeah, we cannot assume um, how people are going to communicate and, and what they understand and everything like that. But just be real, be yourself, talk to people like you would talk to anybody else. And if you get it wrong, 
own it and just do better next time. Don't let it stop you from, from having another go. Alrighty. Um, number three, just normalise the fact within your family that you actually, that there are people in the world who are different from us. Whether it's different races or different dis uh, abilities and disabilities, whether it's different um, socioeconomic. I don't have children, I have two cats, but I can tell you now my cats do not discriminate. Um, yeah, just normalise it. There, are, you can now buy dolls at Kmart that have um, have the same features as a person with Down syndrome. It's you can. There are tools out there, and there's Barbies with wheelchairs. Just normalise it. And if you're at the park and there's some somebody, a, an adult or a child with a disability, is having a full meltdown, don't do this to your kids and shuffle them off, protecting them as though. You know, just make it normal. Oh, somebody's having a bad day. Maybe we do need to exit, but let's do it in a way that doesn't make them go, oh, my goodness, what's going on over there? But, yeah, cool? We, we, yep. All righty. Number four, empowerment changes lives. If you can empower someone, then do it. Jude's Cafe, one of the reasons why I love being part of this church community, one of the things that I love, love, love about the heart of our leaders, Tim and Shaz and our leadership team, is that they value uh, empowering people who have disadvantages in our community, disadvantaged youth, people with disabilities, and they actually put their money where their mouth is at, at a cost sometimes to the, to the place or where, where we, we're able to give actual paid employment to people with disabilities. Amazing. They also give us the cafe on a Monday for us to run our hospitality program, which is literally changing lives. My beautiful girls who make coffee, they, and can I tell you, changing my life too because I love coffee, um, they have said to me at different times, this is my dream come true because two of them now work do, selling coffee in the cafe. It's a literal, yes, absolutely clap for that. Absolutely clap for that. That is a literal dream come true. <laughs> Paid employment is a tangible way to show someone that you value their contribution. And, like, it's a no-brainer <laughs> that people would feel valued because of that, of course. And also... Guess what? They've got bills to pay too. So if you are a business owner or if you have the capacity somewhere in your life to empower somebody with a disability, then please do, please do, think about it. Have a think about how you can do that. And you know what? Empowerment doesn't only look like employment, obviously. It looks like friendship and inclusion, including somebody in your world, teaching them new skills like cooking or whatever that might be, but it's inclusion, um, it's sharing, it's listening. Empower empowerment is actually about listening also. And on that note of listening, I felt that it would be completely wrong of me to get up here and tell you all about what the disability community needs, knowing that we have people in our own church, in this room, who live with a disability and not actually get them to tell me about it. So why don't we welcome up the very beautiful Trish Howard. Now, because we don't have a ramp here today, I'm going to come down there and meet Trish down here. Oops, but I'm oh, going to get your microphone first. Give it up for Trish. There's a photo of her going up on the screen right now. That's Trish when she was modelling on the cover of a magazine. Here we go. Yeah, just faced out that way, yep. Can you see Trish in the camera there? Yep, awesome. So people at home can see a beautiful face and I'm just gonna grab this. 
not chair. Really speaking, so we'll give it a go. Give it a red hot go. Trish, I rang Trish yesterday. <laughs> she had about as much notice as me. Actually, no, she had a little bit less. And um, because we we had a fiery conversation, didn't we? Yes, we did. We had we were like yes, and oh, I know, I know. And anyway, Trish. You speak for yourself. Can you introduce yourself yes. to us? I'll give you a bit of a backstory. Um, my name is Trish. I'm 43. Obviously, you can tell I have a disability because I can't, I can't hide the fact. So let's just acknowledge that. Um, I was born with cerebral palsy. I was born three and a half months premature. So I know by the grace of God that I'm absolutely meant to be here. So thank you, God, because I know you have amazing plans for me and had amazing plans for me. Um, I'm married with... Six beautiful children, one of my own, and five beautiful stepchildren, and an amazing husband. Um, what else can I say? And her amazing husband is one of our support. Yes, workers. and my amazing husband is a support worker who does a fantastic job. He does. Okay. So um, we were talking yesterday on the phone about, from your perspective as somebody who does live with a disability, and who has your whole life. Yeah. What are some things that mm the community can do better for you? Um, I'm going to be honest. What you see here today is what I allow you to see. Things that go on behind the scenes are really difficult and really hard. I'm not going to lie about that. That's the truth. But I try and focus on the positives more than the negatives where I can. For me, the biggest thing for people to try and understand, I guess, and accept, people assume that, yes, okay, access is a hard one, and parking is a hard one, but for me, that's not my issue. My issue is preconceptions. People have assumptions about you that aren't correct. Um, if you can look past the wheelchair or the disability, I can assure you, you're going to be pleasantly surprised about people's personalities, their behaviours, their interests, their likes, their dislikes, and more often than not, it's a very welcome... Um, what's the word? Welcome... Experience. Yeah. Um, I want to give two examples of some really disempowering things that I've had happen to me in my life, which have been quite traumatic for me. When Chris and I got married, we decided we wanted to have a baby, like a lot of people do. I went to the doctor and asked to have my... Um, what's it called? Contraceptive thing removed so that we could get ready to have a baby. And he told me No. He said, I don't think you're capable and you need to think about what you're doing. So, needless to say, we have a very heated conversation. I walked out of that doctor's surgery and never went back and I got that removed and obviously I went on to have Joshua with my husband. So, praise God for that. Praise God for that because Josh is a beautiful, um, <laughs> gorgeous little blessing and, yeah, amazing. Um, while I was pregnant, there were a lot of people that assumed because I have a disability, that he would have a disability. And that's not the case. Yes, some disabilities, depending on what it is, may be hereditary, but mine certainly is not. So my chance of her having a child with a disability were no more than anybody else. And of course, he was born healthy and fine and everything was fabulous. Um, the second thing that I found most traumatic of all and still affects me to this day to some degree, the staff at the LGH, when Joshua was born, decided that I was an unfit mother and wanted to call welfare, purely because I had a disability. And not only was I a brand new mum who didn't really know what she was doing, but I had to prove myself more than anybody else. 
so that Wilfred didn't take him. And that was heartbreaking for a new mum and very unfair because they were making a prejudgment on me that they knew nothing about me or my family or my husband who we were quite capable of looking after our child. And as you can see, he's fit and healthy, well-adjusted and well-looked after. Yeah, that's... I don't even have words. It was... (laughs) Um, Yeah, mainly I just want people to see past people's disabilities and get to know them for who they are. Um, My best friend I've had since I was 15... And she just loves me for everything. The good, the bad and the ugly. And that's the kind of people you want in your life. That aren't going to make judgments. That aren't going to make comments. That think they know what they know when really they don't. Just ask. Mary was right. If you've got a little one and they're looking, just ask. It's okay. Ask and say, what's wrong with you? Because kids just want to know. And they're going to be the next generation. So if they're well informed, that generation isn't going to be the generation that goes oh, I'm not going to pretend this is not happening. Because let's be honest, it is happening. So let's acknowledge it and deal with it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Trish. You are incredible. Because you were also saying one of the points you said on the phone yesterday that I thought is a really good practical thing is you were talking about how when you're out with Chris sometimes or out with your support worker, how people just talk to them. Oh, yes. Um, Quite often if I'm out with a friend or Chris or anybody, if I go to the deli at the supermarket or, I don't know, anywhere really, they'll automatically talk to the person that's standing and go, oh, so what do they want? So now I've got to the point where I just speak up before they can even speak and go, oh, hi, could I please have? And they're like, oh. And um, one of the experiences I've had quite often, more so as a younger person now than an older person because I'm more vocal these days, um, people tend to pat you on the head like a dog and go, oh, well done, sweetheart. Well done for what? Doing my groceries like everybody else or going for a walk or well done for... What, I'm not a superstar? So people make a lot of judgments about patting you on the head and saying well done for doing ordinary day stuff. I don't want to be told well done for doing what everybody else does. Well, that's actually a really good point. (laughs) I feel like I can't really add to what you're saying because, I mean, are people getting this? Yeah. And I think something that I can say is that most of the people who are doing this are probably doing it with the best of intentions. Oh, absolutely. Thinking that they are nasty. doing the right thing. They're not so. being malicious. No. They think they're being genuinely kind. And yeah. it comes from a good place. It really does. Mm. So now, I, don't make it, I don't make a big thing of it because I know it's genuine. And I let it roll off my back. But now we're empowered with the knowledge of what that actually looks like for somebody who is living with a disability yeah, and often. You were talking about employment before, mm. yes. I find employment very difficult. I've actually lost a job before because I actually got the job, passed the interview with Flying Colours, met their needs, but the job was three stairs, three flights of stairs up. So I didn't get the job. So, and for some reason, people look at the wheelchair and go, oh, she might be a bit slow at doing the job, so we won't give her... I mean, they don't say that because they can't, let's be honest. But for me to find a job is really hard. And I know that I'm good at my job. I just need people to give me the chance to show you that I'm good at my job. And people with disabilities will keep their job longer because they're proud to have their job and want their job. So if you employ somebody with a disability, you're going to have a lifelong staff member on your team. 
That's so good. Thank you so much. I know you're that welcome. it was a lot for you to come up because you're not really into public speaking. But it's been a long time. Nobody would know that because you've done such a great oh, thank job. You. So let's give it up for Trish. And I'm just going to move this chair back. And I just have one last one. I'll take that for you from you if, unless you want to. <laughs> um, thank you so much, Trish. You can go back to your gorgeous fam. I'm going to walk up the steps because nobody wants to see me struggling to step up that step. I just have one last point. Thank you so much, Trish. Short notice and I can, um, I feel your pain in that and I'm like, I don't think I really thought about how I was going to respond, but I'm actually really feeling that right now. Not sure about the rest of you. Um, my final point comes from that beautiful psalm, Psalm 139. And it's the last little bit of the psalm. And I believe we have it here. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I guess my challenge for us all as humans who walk the earth together, as part of this beautiful, loving community, people who want to do the right thing and who don't maybe don't know how to or people who may have some subconscious, unhelpful beliefs about others. I just want to implore us all, can we just search our hearts? Can we ask the Holy Spirit to, to point us in the direction of anything in our spirit and our heart that is offensive, that, that breaks the heart of God because of the way he views humanity? Can we ask the Holy Spirit to do that this week? Show me, God, if there is an offensive way in my life and then lead me in the way everlasting. Yeah, do you think we can do that? I'm going to pray for us all. You know, I think the kids have done such an amazing job today. Um, I know, amazing. Um, I think I'm just going to pray and I think that we might just end there rather than finishing off on a song, but I just want to encourage you, search your heart and then let your actions and your life, let it overflow out of that. And, and, and do yourself a favour and, and include some different people in your world. All right, I'm going to pray for you all. Lord God, I thank you for your heart for humanity. I thank you that you see each one of us, whoever we are, however different we are from the person sitting next to us. God, you have purpose built us. Lord, you have a plan, a purpose. We have value before we've even stepped foot on the planet. Lord God, before we have outworked any of our purpose, Lord, you see us, you know us, your thoughts about us outnumber the sins. God, I pray that today we would just have this beautiful and um, compelling revelation of how you view people. I pray, God, that we would have it for ourselves, that we would know that we are so, so loved by a good, good Father. But I pray, God, that you would help our eyes to be open to the fact that we don't always treat others the way that they should be treated. So, God, give us hearts full of compassion. Help us to treat people with respect. Help us to speak up for those who are voiceless. Help us to stand in the gap where, where um, you would call us as a church to stand um, for the marginalised and for the vulnerable. 
God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just take us on a journey this week of self-discovery, God, and that we would just see beautiful fruit come out of it. And I pray that you bless each person here, that you bless all those who are watching online, God, and that you bring our wonderful um, COVID-riddled O'Neills back to us, healthy and safe in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so sorry I said (laughs) COVID-riddled. Anyway, thank you so much for bearing... um, with me today. You guys are amazing. Love being part of this community. Go and have the best afternoon. It's beautiful out there, I think. Um, It's hot up here, so, you know. Anyway, thanks and good night. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to know more or you want to connect with us and find more resources to help you be with Jesus, you can head to www.tarascommunitychurch.com.au. Have a blessed week.